One, two, three. Hello, and welcome to X Rated, the X Men animated review show exclusive interview series. Uh, we are your hosts, Davin and Andre, as, as per usual. And our special guest tonight, the voice of Mr. Sinister, um, most famously for listeners of this show, uh, Christopher Britton. Pleasure to be thanks here. For, and thanks cool for joining opening, us. Uh, cool opening uh, music there. <laughs> uh, well, I'll take partial credit for that, so thank you. Okay. <laughs> hmm. uh, um, so, yeah, Andre, why don't you... Uh, Oh, yeah. Sorry, I had it on mute. I didn't realize I wasn't even talking. I'm like, uh, yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Chris. It's great to have you here. Um, generally, time. generally, the way the show works is I, uh, I have another podcast where I interview people. So I kind of just interview you and we go through a walkthrough of your life. Mm-hmm. And then uh, every once in a while, we'll throw a, a random question from Davin, which is usually X-Men related or something else related to the, the show. If that's cool with you. Or- Sure. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll be able right. to answer the X Men oh. questions. So, yeah. there's, there's not that many X Men, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. Actually, even just glancing through your filmography, there's a ton of stuff I want to ask you about. So we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll just go on as we go. But uh, so, where were you? Where were you born? Where did you get started at? Uh, Toronto's my hometown, mm-hmm. and I lived there for you know decades, and then. Uh, my wife and I, uh, well, my wife got a series. Uh, she was living in Los Angeles and she got a series here in Vancouver. And uh, I felt it was just right for a change for me. And so I moved out here to Vancouver. And uh, But I go back to Toronto to work and to see my daughter and to see friends oh, twice a year, for sure. Yeah. Was, was acting always something you wanted to do? Was that um, like from a young yes. age? Yeah, pretty well. Um, I think beyond the age of 16, that's what I focused on. Uh, uh, I was briefly with a modern dance company in Toronto. Mm. and uh, But then I, when I went to York University, I was in the theater program. And uh, that's, you know, at that time in the mid-70s, everyone's goal was to be at Stratford Festival or the Shaw Festival. And I was at both those festivals and you did regional theater and there wasn't the film and television industry uh, like it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the theater was, you know, uh, the goal to earn a living. Hmm. Was, uh, were your parents like in a, in any kind of theatrical type? Uh... <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I, I, whenever I talk to artsy types, it's always kind of the same. Like rarely do the parents follow the same line and rarely yeah. are they super supportive like they're not dismissive but they're always like well maybe you should be a doctor or something else right yeah so. i think they were just generally perplexed <laughs> <laughs> what did they do um well my mother was uh, uh until she became a housewife she she uh, worked at uh the various sort of cashier jobs uh, she was my my parents were uh, war brides. My father was in the Canadian Engineers oh. during the Second World War. My mother was in the RAF, and they met in England, and then came to Canada at sort of the late uh, 1940s and uh, settled in Toronto. My family first arrived in uh, the Britons first arrived in Toronto in 1883. Hmm. So there's a you know a long history of my family being in in that location. So your parents are both Canadian and they met in... Like, just overseas. my mother. I, I'm oh. sorry, just my father. My mother was English. She was okay. Manchester. And then, uh, you know, she came over following my father uh, at the end of the war. Oh, that's awesome. With the last name like Britain, I can see why she would have fell in love with him. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Dave, you can go ahead. Well, it's... Interesting, you mentioned um, Toronto and Vancouver. How would you compare those two acting scenes now? Well, um, let me think. Uh, There's far, well, you know, Toronto's a much bigger city. uh, And uh, so there's there's more uh, theater in Toronto. um, And there's more uh, 
I would say television and film. Uh, Vancouver um, does a lot of uh, uh, American productions up here. It's sort of a service town to Americans. Um, a lot of Hallmark is sh uh, shot here. Um, uh, there, you know, a, a number of years ago, there were a number of Canadian-made series done here in Vancouver, and that's sort of tailed off recently. Uh, and, you know, there's still Canadian-made, Canadian-acted, starring shows uh, done in Toronto. So it's a, it's a different scene here. Um, and then, you know, the, the, with the pandemic and the writer's strike now, it's, oh, right. uh, you know, becoming a little even more obvious. Um, but, you know, um, you know, I, I, you know, I do animation, I do voiceovers, uh, and, uh, uh, the last television thing I think was in was Lock and Key, which um, I would fly out to Toronto back and forth to do. And um, so, you know, you try, you know, I have agents in both cities and you, you try to uh, make a go of it. And of course, I'm older now, so there's not as many parts. Do you find, um, just to jump on that, because that's interesting to me, do you find like that there's a push for Canadian like written stuff now, like, like there's more Canadian content being pushed because of the writer's strike in the States. You know, I wish that was true. I don't know that for sure. Mm. I have a project, uh, that I'm trying to get off the ground, which is a great Canadian courtroom and crime, true crime drama, mm. um, that, uh, is Toronto based. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it takes place in 1962 Mm. Um, and it's about the 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 lawyer who defended the last two men who were executed in Canada, and mm. most Canadians don't know anything about that. They were hanged back to back in Toronto's Dawn Jail, um, and most Canadians don't know that date or the lawyer or the two men who were the last to be executed uh, in Canada. And uh, I've been following this story for decades, and uh, we have a whole um, presentation. And uh, but the problem, of course, is that the um, a few producers have said it's a period film, and they're reluctant to uh, incur that extra expense. So we're just holding off a bit and waiting to see which way the wind blows in the next half year or so. I'm surprised. I'm assuming it's Canadian producers. I'm surprised they would be that. I mean, like Murdoch Mysteries or any of those shows that are period pieces have been on for like a million years. <laughs> like that show's been on for a long time. Yeah, Murdoch <laughs> is, is, is an exception. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I don't think it turns audiences off. I just, I guess, the budget I can see, but yeah, yeah. We, we, you know, I, uh, we would need, uh, I think, uh, U.S. funds. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, co-producers. Uh, but um, anyway, we're, we're just seeing how it goes. Um, you know, it's called Capital Murder, and the, uh, uh, it mainly focuses on the lawyer, the young, brilliant 29-year-old uh, lawyer who defended both those men. And, so, um, you know, would, would you be director of this? Is that what your plan is, hopefully? Oh no no I, I no I would I would just be part of the creative team. Oh cool. Um, you know, uh, hopefully. Um, uh, <laughs> no, uh, I I wouldn't be. I, I've never directed any television or film. Never had a desire. Not really. Mm -hmm. No, I mean I've I've thought about it in terms of theater, directing theater, but no, I'm I'm quite happy uh, in my niche. You know, yeah, uh, I, uh, I I'm a, I do theater acting as well, and I am in the uh, in Actra too. Um, so I have directed a couple plays, but it is a daunting task. And I feel like watching when you're on set, watching a director direct a, a series or a movie, there's so many moving pieces that it's it seems like such a <laughs> such a you know you have to really love it or really love doing that yeah. to be able to accept a role like that. So yeah, 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 and it's uh, long hours, a lot of stress, mm. and. Oh, yeah. uh, well, you're yeah. the first person that every problem comes to. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Devin. Well, you say um, that now that you're getting older, that there's not as many roles. And that made me think, because we've talked on this show, we do a game where we like to 
do fantasy casting for X-Men characters and that sort of thing. And we it, we were pretty unanimous, unanimous in the fact that you should play live-action Mr. Sinister. Um, I don't <laughs> think there's much argument amongst our listeners. Um, but then it got me thinking that, with what you just said there, that they would cast that, even though that role you wouldn't have to, they would cast that younger, for sure, because they do with everything, it seems. Like, every young every character seems to translate to younger on screen. It seems. Uh, well, there have been rumors, you know, online that John Hamm uh, mm-hmm. was one actor under consideration. Um, you know, I could see them uh, casting someone uh, maybe like um, uh, Sam Rockwell. Or oh, he would be good. He would be really maybe good. interesting. Yeah, in that role. yeah, He's or, such a know, great Aaron actor too. Paul. Um, you know, there's I I, I would. They would probably go with an actor, you know, who's 40 around that age, mm. uh, maybe a bit younger. But, uh, uh, yeah, it would. It, that's probably the age uh, they would probably cast. Mm. But, you know, uh, with uh, de-aging uh, AI and uh, a hairpiece and some makeup, uh, you know, they might think about me. <laughs> <laughs> that. Character could almost be a CGI character with the look of it. Uh, yes, you, know, it's yeah, quite a... you don't want to go down that road because <laughs> yeah. well, then you don't want to be in the ball suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem as rewarding. I know, like you know, you watch. It's funny watching, like uh, like when James Spader was playing Ultron. You know, just watch him walk around on set and some of those like an older fella just yeah. to cover this ball suit. You know, and, and he's and he's a, he's an actor with such gravitas, just the way he carries himself and everything, oh, yeah. like his voice. And, yeah, and it's just so funny watching them. Like, and it's same with Josh Brolin when he's Thanos. Like, it's just this massive purple head is stuck above his head, so they the eye lines are right and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I noticed your first screen credits. I'm a big horror fan, and I've noticed that uh, your first screen credits are The Brood and Scanners, which are two <laughs> classic. Um, I, I, I'm guessing they're uh, they were like background roles, but um, it's still... yeah. I had I think uh, I, I I had a, a line or two in um, The Brood, which was uh, the first film uh, I think I I was in, and I think it was it. Cronenberg's first film. I can't. Yeah. Remember. Um, no, but it was it was low. I think. Yeah. Um, was it yeah. Slither, Slither, or um, or Shivers, or uh, Shivers, maybe Shivers, or the other one, um, uh, Rabid? Were one of those two? Oh was yeah, like, yeah, that's right. His yeah. first full length, but okay. uh, but Brood was early on. Um, yeah, and it's a very like if you're into horror, and especially if you're into Cronenberg, that movie hits all of those marks. It does. Um, yeah, and, but especially like it's such a deeply. Because he's going through a divorce when he made it, and it's so obvious that this is a dude in pain uh, from a divorce when you watch it. But uh, what yeah. was that experience like? I guess like, what was like? Did oh, you get direction no. from Cronenberg? Or um, uh, I, I knew David because uh, there was a uh, you know you might have heard of uh, the record store in in Toronto, Sam the Record Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we had them here in Halifax. We had the spinoffs. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And um, I, I, when I was like 16, 17, I worked there uh, sort of in the rock department and uh, <laughs> David uh, did as well in the summer. I think he was just about to start U of T or maybe he was in his first year, but he, he was working. And that's when I got to know David. And, um, and then I think uh, that's probably he thought of me for, you know, just because I hadn't... Uh, you know, I, I don't know where I was in terms of uh, studying acting at that time. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, David is, is, unlike his movies, he's the most relaxed, normal person you would ever want to meet. <laughs> Smart and uh, really a lovely man. Yeah, most, I feel like he has his outlet. Yeah, that's most horror people are like that. Like, you know, yeah, you, I know I've seen that you well, another question I wanted to ask you about, which I'll, I guess I'll save for a little later down your filmography, is that uh, you did an episode of Masters of Horror uh, directed oh, by one that. of one of my all time favorite directors, John Carpenter. Yeah. So, um, I mean, how was that experience and what was working with Carpenter? And I guess Norman Reedus, who's kind of a popular dude now. Uh, because yeah, both those uh, people were very easy to work with. Um, I remember. I have a better time. question. Sorry <laughs> to interrupt. How was working with Gwyneth Walsh on that? Uh, <laughs> well, we didn't have any scenes together. Well, that's true. I just watched that yesterday, actually. Oh, you did. Oh, yeah. I've actually yeah. been holding off. She's on downstairs. Watching. She's downstairs. 
She's my put in a good word for me. I have a Star Trek <laughs> podcast too, yeah. and I love. Well, look, I I love Klingons. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think we might be one of the few married couple who both have action figures. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> you definitely do. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, Carpenter awesome. has such gravitas. Like, like, like. I don't know. I just love his film so much. So, uh, and then that one I've been holding off to watch because I've been kind of going through his filmography. I just watched Dark Star for the first time, his first movie, yeah, a couple of days ago. That's but, a good uh, episode. Uh, Cigarette Burns. I thought. Yeah, it was. You know what? What I remember uh, very clearly um, was the callback audition, and um, he was sitting behind a table, and he asked me to sit just on the other side of the table, right there. And the reader was beside him to his uh, right. And he was maybe, oh, three feet away from me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was like he was watching me in close up. Mm. He wanted to see, you know, that there was, you know, no acting going on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that I remember that clearly about the audition, the callback audition. Oh, that's refreshing. I, I like I, I lately out here anyway. I'm I'm in uh, well, I'm in Truro. It's about an hour from Halifax, but like all the auditions lately for everything are just record yourself at home. And oh, I yeah. kind of I yeah. kind of really miss that, like you know, actually getting to to yeah. do with another human being in front of them because it to me it's such a better. I don't know. I feel like you can inhabit it a lot better than just trying to do it in a camera, usually by yourself in a room to, you know, and try to get a point across. Well, that's right. And I, I think most actors feel that, uh, even though some actors feel doing it at home saves them time and money going to auditions and everything else. But yeah, I think most actors fair. would prefer, at least for the callback, to be in the room. Well, it at least shows that you can you can take notes and change, right? If they if they right. say we try it this way, then yeah. you can do that and and, 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 and show yeah, your get feedback. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, and there's, a, you know, you get a sense of the energy, uh, mm -hmm. you know, of, of, of the director or the producers and they get your energy and you, you know, there's a give and take hopefully going on there for, you know, certainly for the callback. And uh, uh, yeah, I think most actors miss that now. I know I sure do. Yeah. About, I just watched Cigarette Burns too, and you're right, it was very good. But what I noticed was it entirely hinged on your performance and your character because your monologue there sets the whole scene and sets the menace and like has to it, it it's very important to the whole thing so i thought that was very uh interesting role you know it's, i'll have to take like, another look at it <laughs> well you're 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 the one who has like the past knowledge of this threat and you're trying to lay it out oh, that's right. yeah. You're like, yeah 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 like your walls are lined with like books that you're you're writing about this you're like i'm almost done the book and they're like yeah, you mean well, all these yeah, things you're like yeah, yeah, yeah a review i'm writing the yeah, review yeah, you're right the review yes <laughs> Just, yeah yeah. mountains of paper yeah 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 it's very good you're gonna love it Andre. It's very i'm very yeah. excited. i'm a huge like literally I've, i haven't seen even the carpenter movies that people dislike i still like so i'm i'm very excited to get to that one he did two episodes of that show yours and one called pro-life i think it was or something about that which uh which was in the second season i believe which i've oh that's a take a look that. yeah yeah it's hard to track the show down actually um i think it's on one of the streamers but it's not like super shutter it's i believe it's on shutter. i don't know shutter so i, I have shutter no? it's on some other one called oh. Screenbox or something that i've never heard of oh, but okay. it's out there i think it's on plex or some of those other free ones as well but anyway Devin, you go ahead you got another well here's a question i'll make an x-men related question for the <laughs> for the ex-goons out there um so your portrayal of mr sinister in this show is how i would say most people either first encountered that character or how pretty much the only thing they know that character from it's the voice uh, i like, hear in my head when i read an x-men comic with him in it, it exactly yeah. and I, yeah. the way the writers tackled the character after your performance was influence you can tell by your performance so i was just wondering what it's like to leave your mark on a character like that that continues on in a lot of literature and eventually live action film it's coming he's one of the most important villains to do um well yeah you know, like because even that would be influenced by your portrayal well, he's definitely like whenever marvel gets their hands on the franchise and starts doing stuff with it they're going to want to probably pick some villains that aren't haven't been seen yet to do something a little different to start things off and sinister is a huge one so i imagine he's probably not too far from the 
from the forefront? Well, uh, uh, to answer your question, uh, uh, it's mm. where where you really uh, experience uh, the sort of influence of, of a character like Sinister, or you know any of the other uh, X Men in the in the original animated series, are at Comic Cons mm. and the fans that come up to you and uh, express you know just such. Uh, delight, it, you know, that they remember watching it on Saturday mornings, and now they, some some of them come with their, their children, and because of Disney Plus, they're rewatching the series with their children, mm-hmm. um, and so you know, um, <laughs> I remember one fan just recently at a Comic Con said. You know, your voice scared the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you would just have, you know, dreams about this. You know. And, uh, you know, I feel like that's a great compliment. You'd be yeah, like, exactly. yeah, you know, I, I would yeah. make it as such. Yeah. So, I mean, there you, you begin to get an idea of um, uh, why this and the writing. You know, the writing uh, was is why I think it's sustained its its sort of uh, popularity um, because the writing was very good, the animation and the music and the sound and uh, and how you know all the characters uh, interacted and um, you know there's a lot of people to thank uh, and to be grateful they were a part of on this series and you know uh, hopefully you know uh, it will continue uh, with X-Men 97 you know uh, and we'll we'll see uh, when it's the first season's released uh, next year hopefully yeah. the uh, the echoey kind of tinness that they added to your voice was that just all done in post or was there some kind of a something you did while performing that was through some kind I of I think voice? that's yeah I think they did that. You know, I don't know. I'd have to ask uh, perhaps Dan Hennessy or Larry Houston about that, whether they they did it as in the studio when I was recording or they added it post. I, I don't know. That's that's a good question. Yeah, I was curious about that. Cause it, it's it's such a unique sound, the way that it sounds like a hollow kind of robot, but there's a real humanity. Like, it's not like a robot voice, but it's yeah. it's almost like yeah. an aspect of that on a human voice, which is very interesting, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. a really cool way they and it made that character stand out a lot. I thought that's right. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, the Comic Con fan was definitely right. You feel legit like pity and sorry for poor little Morph when you're just like, "Hello, Morph," <laughs> and you're like, "No, run, Morph." Like, <laughs> well, the sharp teeth, the red eyes, like it's all just yeah. the, you yeah. know, it's all very horror esque sort of iconography. But they just yeah. did a good job yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> accessible character it's neat that we just sort of the the episodes we just watched were the last four of season four with uh, the whole apocalypse and sinister thing at the edge of outside of time so uh you just got to hear hear your work quite a bit in the last little while so it's, it's well well you know of course for me the most interesting episode is descent uh where you mm-hmm. know it shows how he became mr sinister yeah. you know and we, uh, we have that to look forward to yeah that's in season five so oh yeah. oh well yeah. then well, I mean, we've, we've, yes. you know, like most of us and most people listen to this have probably seen the show already. Yeah. Uh, it's just, we're just going through each episode as, as episodes of the show. Yeah. So. It's his history and how he became Mr. Sinister and his family, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and what happened to his family and how that really was the motivating factor uh, and his, you know, his need to find a cure. Well, there's something deeply disturbing, not just about, you know, there's like, X-Men has all these different villains that are, are villains for whatever reasons. Um, you know, like Magneto prejudice for his family's death, his wife's death, all that stuff. Um, and, and other villains, but yours, like a villain that's sort of a, like into eugenics is just, the, just disturbing enough in like a real world capacity to like really kind of get home, like home, how, you know, someone who's just trying to take over the world or enslave people. It's different than someone that's literally trying to, wipe out species or create his own by manipulating, you know, existing people yeah. like that, that. There's something very, I mean, obviously Nazi-ish about it, but also other things that yeah. kind of that, that hammer home some of history's more real life monsters that yes. uh, it, like, it just, it's such an interesting motivation and, and uh, um, like process for the villain to go through because it, it's the real world implications are so disturbing that you can't help feel them when you see the, you know, a softer animated version of it doing it as well. That's right. Well, his, you know, he wanted to find a cure. Yeah. 
Yeah. No matter what the cost, you know. Yes. <laughs> and that, that, that gets scary too, you know. Yeah, but, but, but lost crack. But, uh, <laughs> but that makes for well, a good villain. I mean, that's how it usually happens. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, yeah. no villain thinks they're a villain. Exactly. Well, I wanted to ask you, you too, um, is there any villain from fiction or even real life that you sort of channeled or modeled your portrayal of Sinister after or that he reminds you of or anything like no, I w- I would say you know Sinister is quite unique, and I've and I've played uh, a, a few villains, um, Doctor Doom, but Doctor Doom, but also um, I've played uh, you know a very uh, a racist uh, character in Deacons for Defense. Uh, opposite- oh, I wanted to ask a KKK leader. For- yeah, yeah, opposite <laughs> yeah. Forrest Whitaker. Uh, oh wow, he, he was not a. Uh, 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 a nice man. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> he means the character. Oh, I see. Okay. I was like, oh, oh no, Forrest Whitaker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Forrest was fabulous. <laughs> uh, and, and Bill Duke is a fantastic uh, actor himself and director. So working for him must have been a must have been a, a real treat. Well, um, you know, just briefly at the first read through uh, of the script, um, they're sitting across from me was Forrest Whitaker and on my right was Ozzy Davis. Yeah, I was going to ask you about him who, too. Who marched with Martin Luther King for mm-hmm. God's sake. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. and at the head of the table was Bill Duke and a number of other uh, black actors around me and we came to a scene where I had to say some you know, pretty dreadful things. And I could feel Ozzy Davis sort of looking at me like this, you know, leaning <laughs> away sort of looking like who in the hell is... And, you know, I sort of broke out in just a little bit of a cold sweat and I finished (laughs) the scene and I looked up to the head of the table and Bill Duke was laughing his head (laughs) off. He just, you know, thought my discomfort, you know, (laughs) poor guy, he's just, you know, it's a tough road to hoe when you don't believe that, but you got to act it, you know. Yeah, I guess that's the purest form of the craft i guess like yeah you've got to be convincing and uh that was uh i'll never forget that and they were all terrific and you know uh when i had a gun right at forrest whitaker's head you know that was uh, yeah so um do you you have to prepare yourself for that or do you just go in and just do it and try not to think about it like when it's that horrible Um, well you have to you have to think about you know uh you know reasons why this person would think that way and and uh yeah you know um uh you know some things uh, uh you know you just have a, a an edge to uh your delivery that suits that particular dialogue um and uh you know i think also my appearance you know um you know, with a, you can imagine me, this was, uh, we shot that in 2003, 2004. So that's, you know, uh, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, me with a bow tie and a suit and, uh, you know, these glasses and, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I look like the, you know, the perfect sort of uh, uh, racist uh, KKK <laughs> sort of character. Um, I, I noticed you did a lot of voices um, on the Death Note anime, the English, the English versions of it. Did that was that like the connection to that? What got you the role in the live action Netflix movie, or is it they totally separate incident like occurrences? Oh, uh, Death Note, the yeah. live action film. Yeah. Well, you know that's a that's also an interesting story. I mean, that was I played uh, Yagami uh, Suricio Yagami, the father of light and the yeah. detective. You know who's who's trying to track down the killer and all that. And it's funny because I haven't seen that anime, but I've read the the graphic. I'm not a huge manga guy, but I've read that graphic novel um, because it's I. Quite friends... a good it is, yeah, yeah. And there's a there's a lot of fans, uh, and I and I really like doing that character. It's it's dubbing. Of course, yes, and that's a, a skill in itself, you know. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, the the thing with uh, that character um, was I did. I think there were thirty episodes, thirty-two episodes, and I was in like twenty-six of them or something. Yeah, it's twenty-seven. I think. Yeah, the the director of the uh, of the live action film version. Um, 
he said, you know, I, uh, you know, I really liked your, your voice work in that. And he said, well, how would you feel playing a character in the film that doesn't say a word? <laughs> um, you know, you had so much to say in the series, but in the <laughs> film, you are just one of the predators who light uh, eventually gets rid of yeah. And and we had sort of a laugh about that. And that was kind of, you know, his sort of thought behind it that, you know, it was kind of a, an inside joke. Let me just yeah. put it that way. Oh, that's um, cool. I, that, I think yeah. he's such a cool director. Like Adam Wingard's a, a neat, uh, well, I mean, he's huge now because of, was it King Kong versus Godzilla? But uh, right. whatever he'd yeah. done before, but the, uh, like his early films were like really, really small and really good. And uh, that was kind of the first one that sort of launched him into another, another uh, sort of, you know, a higher yeah. level of Hollywood. So it was yeah. neat that he had such a reverence for that original material that he even knew that much. So that's really That's cool. right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, we just sat across the table and talked for, you know, uh, 10 minutes or so. And, you know, we talked about, you know, the series and that character. And then, you know, he said, look, you're, you know, you're, you're one of the, uh, uh, you're in the book, you're in uh, Light's book. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> so uh, and I said sure you know that'll uh, sort of brings it around full circle in a way yeah. that's awesome yeah it's dubbing is there some amount of looking at the animation and trying to match your vocalization I was curious that, about that, that too just well, done with the because if they have like because the, the, the nature of being a different language if they're if it's a very long sentence but in English it's quite shorter do you have to like enunciate words more or like how does that work that well they, they they write the the dialogue to match the the mouth flaps mm -hmm. oh really so, oh, wow uh, so <clears throat> what it does is there are three beeps you know beep 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 and then there's a line that goes across the screen uh, and the dialogue is there and you have to complete that line oh. within that oh. Uh, within that time space. Interesting. Okay. So, um, you know, you, you sometimes you have to speak a little more, uh, speak quickly, mm -hmm. and sometimes you have to speak slowly, you know, because they match it to the uh, the mouth. Interesting. So uh, that's, they write it and they give a, an idea. And occasionally, you know, a word or two has to be taken out or added on or, you know, so so it, it develops, you know, it is a certain skill. Mm. Uh, it's different than doing what they call prelay, which is mm. most animation, where they do the voices first and then they do the animation. Yes, yeah, oh, that's very interesting. We, we just found out recently from uh, our previous guest Lawrence Bain that you guys actually did the dialogue for the X Men series in a room together, which. Well, he yeah. probably has a better memory of that than I do, um, because uh, I think I think sometimes that was true. Uh, I think oh. you know, uh, uh, but I, uh, you know, over the years, you know, when you when I've done you know a number of animation things, you know, I forget, you know, the last one of the ones where there was like eight or ten actors in a room was when I was recording for My Little Pony. And we all had our separate mics. Um, but I remember being in the studio and I remember sometimes there was one or two or three actors. And then sometimes I was just there on my own. Um, so, you know, I think basically we all like to be in a room with other actors hmm. and because you're interacting with that dialogue. And that's the, the most rewarding. For sure. I think where this, this show really holds up and where it sings is the you say that as you were saying earlier the writing's very good but it's really the writing and your guys's voice acting together that is like this perfect yeah. marriage that yeah. just it stands out above like all other yeah. things like it other cartoons it's just yeah, like, yeah. i feel like they started to write the dialogue in your guys's voices and things too mm -hmm. and just really really comes together and yeah it's good stuff do you have any memories of robin williams Oh, I do. Um, he was a, a lovely man. And um, uh, in that film, Final Cut, uh, it was directed by Omar Naim. And 
um, he, you know, he he was very unlike uh, his stand-up. Of course, he was he was very you know quiet, contained. Uh, I had two scenes with him, um, very nice scenes, and um, uh, we, we one of the things we bonded with we we both you know he he loved to uh, bike race cycle. He was a big fan of the Tour de France. Uh, you know, he would a couple of times he went to Paris and uh, where the end of the Tour de France is every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I told him about a <clears throat> an indoor velodrome just outside Vancouver uh, that he was interested in going to. Yep. And, um, you know, uh, one of the memories I have is uh, this one scene was took place at a uh, memorial and uh the, i don't know if you remember the uh if you've seen the film it's you know when you're born um or before you're born really you, a chip is put into your brain that records every moment of your life and when you die that chip is removed and robin williams is what is called a cutter and he cuts together your life the highlights of your life, um, sort of your birth, your graduation, your marriage, you know, important events. And then in this one chip that he was cutting together, the person who who had that chip murdered someone. And so he, he Robin Williams is witnessing this. So that's sort of the plot behind it. And I think it was a little bit ahead of its time, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this one memorial scene, there was a, a whole room full of extras and uh, background performers. And at the lunch break, when everyone was coming back for lunch, he stood at the entrance. It was, you know, uh, there was a sidewalk and the all the background performers were filing in. And he stood at the entrance of that building and he did a little number for each one he he sort of greeted everyone that came was coming into that uh, that space and you know he made them feel special you know he he and, and i stood there watching it uh for it was about 10 15 minutes and um you know it was it was very impressive it was i just thought what a wonderful thing to do and it made everyone feel just you know they had sort of met him and he would maybe do a little bit or he would ask for their name and you know do a little thing you know just a couple of quick comments and uh you know he he was he was great that's wonderful i did um background on a movie called hobo with a shotgun they filmed in halifax oh, uh, i've heard that title yeah. yeah 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 uh rucker Hauer was in it and uh he did that when all the extras came on he stood there and greeted everyone when we walked by really to the, yeah oh I look was, uh, oh we got, a, we got a guest say <laughs> say hi to chris and uncle andre hi, hi <laughs> oh, wow she's getting big oh i know <laughs> yeah, that, that's wonderful. We're girl dads, we're in the girl dads club, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. Um, and you're right; I've that no- movie was ahead of its time. I've noticed a lot of your work actually is what I would, I guess, most people would define as genre work. It's like sci-fi, horror movie, um, you know, animated fantasy, that kind of stuff. Do you feel like? Like that's just the sort of productions that generally come into this area, or do you feel like your particular set of skills is, is attuned well to that, or is it just something that coincidentally seemed to have happened with your career? No, I don't know because you know uh, a, a couple of uh, projects that I've worked on, uh, like Da Vinci's Inquest, hmm. the Romeo Section, uh, Intelligence, uh, all the Chris Haddock series, uh, I was in all four of them. Um, uh, you know, I don't know, I guess you would, could call them crime, mm-hmm. uh, related. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a Hallmark, uh, actor. Um, <laughs> you know, I have yet to do one. Um, <laughs> and they film all of them in Vancouver, don't they pretty much? Oh, pretty well. Yeah. yeah. They do do a lot in, uh, Toronto, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, uh, 
I, I don't get asked to audition for very many uh, roles. In <laughs> oh, I life. think you'd be a lovely Christmas tree salesman. That might be Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. I'm also we, a secret Lothario. This is a Homer. Yeah. We, uh, we always yeah. kind of, when, when we go through the show and talk about the actors that, um, that pop up in roles, like when there's a new character, like Angel, for instance, or someone like that, we'll sometimes skim through their discography. Um, or discography, a uh, filmography, and uh, talk about uh, you know some of the series that they're on. And there's there's always kind of the same deeply Canadian we call them shows that they appear on, uh, all of which are in yours as well, like uh, Kung Fu, uh, okay. Forever Night, Street oh, Legal, yeah. uh, Lobo, which is one that doesn't show up as often. But I was very that yeah. show I have a lot of reverence for. Like I think most Canadians do. Which, so, which show I missed that. Oh, the little you and the littlest hobo. Oh yes, twice. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh wow. Yeah. The littlest hobo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I sometimes I use that as sort of a an amusing joke. Uh, you know, if if someone sort of you know sort of um, recognize me or something, I'll say to my <laughs> wife, "Well, he must remember me from the littlest hobo." <laughs> <laughs> but even like Babar, which was a huge part of my childhood growing up. Um, you know, there's just all these deeply Canadian things. That, yeah. Like I grew up with like C CTV and CBC. And that was it. Uh, so uh, I've seen all of these shows several times. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just cool. Like it's, there's some people that I feel like as Canadians, we have actors that are like ours. And then we have ones that belong to the world. Once they go, they go somewhere like Jim yeah. Carrey belongs to the world. Um, but like uh, it's, it's neat when you, when you have your sort of homegrown Canadian actors that, that really, um, are all over a, a wide variety of Canadian programs, which is cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cast of this show belongs to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right. Well, you know, it, it, when, when those shows, you know, Kung Fu and Little is Hobo and all that, I mean, um, there weren't that many choices. Yeah, so, that's fair enough. You know, uh, you, you would, the chances are you would eventually get an episode. You know, <laughs> you know, if you if you had you know had good luck and the the right part and you know you you get is on it the kind of thing. Was it the kind of thing with the littlest hobo where they're like you can come back in like three years when everyone's forgot about your last character, or did you just like play the same character? No, there are different characters, but you're right. You know, uh, because there were, you know there was a smaller uh, circle of actors then, mm -hmm. and you thought, well, you know, I sh I should you know, they've probably forgotten about me now, so I should be able to, you know, be auditioning for, the, you know, that show again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's different now. It's really yeah. like Murdoch yeah. missed me, you know, like I should be, uh, you know, I should be on that show again. You know, it's been years. <laughs> well, they do that for like CSI or was it Law and Order, I think. Like there's some actors that were would circle around and be in the show again years later in a different role yeah. because, you know, yeah. there's only so yeah, many... Right. Actors yeah. around in the New York scene. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm I'm sure they've you know actors have done you know different characters ten years apart. You know. Yeah. It's been twenty years that series has been going. So do you? I guess uh, being a someone who's familiar with stage acting and film acting myself, um, like do you approach? I mean, obviously with with theater you have months. Well, depending on your type of production, but months of rehearsal time. Right. before you actually do a performance with much less when you're in a film um depending on i guess your role and how how involved you are in it but uh do you have a different approach to how you you your your performances and each i know with theater it's so big everything's got to be bigger because you're on stage but with film it's obviously the camera's here so you don't need to emote as much or as or as big anyway but uh do you have different processes when you approach either role either either way you take on um, those, those roles well, you know, the, ultimately the goal is the same. It is to be truthful uh, mm. and real. And um, if that, uh, if if those requirements, that those goals uh, require you, if you're in a big theater, to be, to you know, to to place your voice at the back of the theater, or if the camera is right here, you know. Um, the goal is still the same: is is to be truthful uh, and and uh, uh, be um, as honest as as you can. And and what the 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 writing and that role requires, uh, and to listen to your fellow actor. Um, 
So basically, those are the cornerstones uh, to to my approach to both those uh, mediums. Uh, but um, you know, technique in terms of uh, whether it's a small theater <clears throat> or a larger theater, you know, that can influence, you know, of course, your technique about, you know, what the people at the back of the theater you want them to to see and hear. Uh, and, uh, you know, if it's a medium close-up or a you know, long shot, you know, um, yeah, but, you know, just to answer your question again, it's just the reality and, and to be truthful. You, you said you went to school, you, you, you studied acting, like you went to, um, to school for it as well? Uh, yes, I, I studied acting at a at a theater school at night in Toronto in my sort of uh, late teens, and then I went to York University, and then um, I uh, in the eighties I studied with Uta Hagen in New York, uh, and there have been other uh, teachers over the years. Uh, you know, like in the late seventies, uh, Kurt Reese, uh, who's no longer with us, he taught uh, acting. He was a director, theater director. Um, yeah, so there've been. Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask: Do you study a certain technique, like Meisner or Stanislavski, or does, or is it just something that, or do you have a more um, broader? Well, uh, it's it, uh, more broader, really. Yeah. Uh, I think Hagen, that's a better way for me. But yeah, Uta Hagen had her own technique, sort of based on sort of uh, Stanislavski, uh, but she had developed it into her own, and. Um, yeah, uh, she was, uh, as as I always like to mention, she was the most difficult to get into. You had to audition three times to get into wow. her class, but she was the cheapest. Um, you three months for sixty five bucks, um, and that wow. you know that was in New York, and uh, and her class was only uh, there were only fifteen people in the class. Um, wow, that must have been awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, you learn from everyone, you know, you, you absorb, I, I find, uh, you know, I haven't made, you know, an actual study of, of, you know, different techniques, but you absorb from different sources, you know, from what you read and from, from what you pick up from other actors as well and from teachers. Uh, and I think there's an element of you that has to be at the core of it. And however you like following these, method actors or, or, or these other sort of forms, I feel like at the heart of it, the best, the best performance you're going to give is the one that like trying to cram yourself into some other form that doesn't feel right, just because that's the way people tell you to do it. Right. Uh, isn't, isn't yep. going to help you. So you really yep. got to find the way that speaks to you and what, and to, to me, and, and it sounds like yourself as well, that if you take different forms and, and take bits of them that kind of, and, and take what you need from each one that, that's sort of the uh, the approach that that I found is best for me anyhow. Yeah, and also you know the you know the text is the guide. You know, however, mm, that's true. However, you can accomplish feeling uh, at one with mm. with the text, and and those words uh, you know become sort of natural to you um, mm. and truthful. And however you get there, you know, uh, yeah, I awesome. don't care what you do yeah. <laughs> oh, he's not being an idiot but you know it's <laughs> well i once i heard i think it was Patton oswald there's a comedian say recently and, and it kind of made me laugh was that whenever you hear stories about method actors like like true method actors they're only they're only really method actors when they're playing like an asshole so it's almost like an excuse to be a jerk. Like no, nobody's like, I'm going to play mother tree or Gandhi or something. So I'm going to method yeah. act being a really good person for, for yeah. a month. It's always like, I'm, I'm playing the Joker. So I'm going to method act being a monster yeah. for three weeks and terrorize everyone in my life. It's just like a, a weird excuse that people get to use to like be a jerk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I know Daniel Day-Lewis on Lincoln was pretty interesting. Uh, there's some funny stories around of that. But, uh, you know, just that, that that sort of made me laugh. Like, it's it's never, you never method act a, a, a nice person. It's always some kind of a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, were, you were telling us uh, before I hit the record button that you're fresh from a protest today. Um, so kind of two questions. Uh, one, uh, have you always been political? And two... 
Is was there a, like a single event or like a collection of events that made you want to start? That um, was it. Action for Actors with Amnesty International. Um, e oh, yes, it, it was um, uh, artists. Uh, uh, no, uh, the, artists the, the, the artist action uh, Amnesty artist action network under yeah, Amnesty yeah. International. And uh, when I first in the in the late seventies. Uh, I started to become a little involved with Amnesty. And uh, then I sort of thought, you know, I, I discovered there were a number of areas that Amnesty focused on. And uh, but then I thought there isn't anything, you know, that's directed towards uh, focused on artists, writers, actors, you know, theater people, film people. And I thought, you know, this is a, an opportunity because so many of people, so many people in the arts are imprisoned, um, you know, in, in repressive countries mm -hmm. for expressing their points of view. And uh, I proposed that to a few people at Amnesty in Toronto, and uh, I was encouraged to pursue it. Um, and uh, I had... Uh, well, Michael Andachi, uh, Tony Urquhart, the painter who's no longer with us, Rosemary Sullivan, the writer and poet, uh, and myself were the four signatories to it. And there was a plenary in Toronto in 1980, I think. And, uh, you know, people from various countries uh, involved with Amnesty came and, and I uh, proposed it in front of you know in front of everyone and um there were people there are some people who felt uh, not so keen on it uh, but there were enough uh, uh there were a few lawyers with amnesty who thought it was an excellent idea and they helped uh push it through so we got you know sort of status within amnesty uh, uh to 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 go ahead with that and uh you know i chaired meetings for a you know, a couple of years, and then um, and then I was, you know, doing other things. Um, but I guess that was sort of the start. Uh, and then, you know, I, you know, I grew up. My teenage years were in the '60s, so you know, that was, you know, very political time. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I guess in a way, uh, that's always been, you know, sort of. I'm not as involved as perhaps I would like to be, or perhaps should be, but. Uh, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, I read a lot about, you know, my, both my wife and I, we, we, we read a lot about what's going on in the United States and in the world. And, you know, we're, we're, we're a bit of news junkies. Hmm. So, uh, both printed and, uh, television news. Uh, so, and online. Uh, printed news still? <laughs> you read oh, yeah, it on yeah. your tablet it's just not in paper yeah, on tablet yeah, yeah. yeah no no we uh no we uh um uh, we we get the you know the globe mail delivered every morning mm -hmm. and then uh, we get the sunday new york times delivered every uh, sunday morning so you know we've and then we you know we have the uh, the new york times app and the, the guardian in england and uh, so we're you know sort of we try to keep abreast of what's going on you know and fortunately uh gwyneth and i are of the the same political uh points of view <laughs> yeah okay. it, it, it takes a lot of <laughs> if you it were. takes a lot of personal fortitude to like consume that much news well you know not only that but especially mm -hmm. now with what's going on in the united states it's it's very demoralizing oh, yeah. 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 It's, I always say, I always found local news irrelevant and, uh, and national news depressing. Um, yeah. but as, as time goes on, it seems that, uh, I mean, just because it's depressing doesn't mean you should ignore it. Uh, you really should be engaged and that's try to make it less depressing or, or do something to, to make things better. But, uh, it's, it's a uphill battle. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. And, and there are, you know, there are different points of view, uh, you know, from every uh, angle from, you know, the right wing and the left wing and the middle range. And so, mm -hmm. you know, you, 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 you should be aware of them all. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just very grateful that, uh, you know, I live in the country I live in. Um, we, we spend time in Los Angeles every year, you know, um, uh, usually about two to three months a year. So we're, you know, 
we're 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 connected there. We mm -hmm. uh, you know we're very involved. We have a place there, so we you know we pay taxes. And uh, my wife is a dual citizen, so she votes. And so you know we uh, we sort of keep abreast of what's going on. Mm. Did you do like kind of three month work stints down there? Um, well, I I don't work there anymore. Well, that's not true. I've I've done some uh, voice, and I'm a member of SAG. Uh, but uh, we really go down to escape the winter. Yeah. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> we live in Nova really Scotia, true. so we can certainly. Uh, oh yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Well, what's uh, what's next for you? Like, what do you have on the horizon that you can talk about? I suppose. Yeah. Well. Well, um, really, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, very much, uh, you know, sort of trying to edge forward uh, the that uh, limited series, Capital mm -hmm. Murder. Uh, sounds um, great. Because I, honestly, I'll admit, I don't know anything about that either. I'm going to look it up later because that sounds like an interesting mm -hmm. story. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. it's uh, Ross Mackay was the name of the lawyer and uh, Ronald Turpin and uh, Arthur Lucas were the two men who were uh, executed uh, in 1962. And it wasn't until 1976 that uh, with the Trudeau government that uh, it uh, the bill was passed in Parliament to ban capital punishment, capital murder, you know, execution. Mm. Basically. Yeah. And it only passed by four votes. I always, I don't know why, maybe it's because it's not something I was taught in school. I always assumed we never had capital punishment. Oh, no. You just oh, no. Now that we didn't. So you never lived in Halifax, Andre. So no, they used to hang pirates every day down in front of the library. So yeah. now, now it's a statue of Winston Churchill. <laughs> in front of the library. It's a great place to hang a pirate, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. that, and they, they hung the last person in Halifax during World War II at, at those gallows. So, oh. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so similar history, but it's hard to yeah. believe the 60s, because I always had heard that one. I'm like, oh, yeah. well, it was wartime, I guess, but to hear that, no. that happened in yeah, 1962, when Arthur Lucas was a black man from Detroit, and uh, he was uh, accused of murdering two people in Toronto, and uh, it was an all-white jury, uh, circumstantial evidence, um, so you know, there's it's 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 a very uh, it's a fascinating story, uh, and uh, you know I just you know I wrote it originally as a screenplay, um, and uh, then you know it was it was thought that you know it it really deserves more of a, a series, uh, you know, six to eight episodes, and it could even be expanded into uh, um, you know. Uh, uh, further uh, episodes, like a, a second season or a third season. Oh wow! Well, it's, <clears> uh, <throat> oof, even a cursory glance at the wiki page is uh, it's a little little dark. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that, that sounds very interesting. I, I definitely think that's that'd be a great series and great roles for actors. I'm telling you, a 29 year old, good looking, you know, because Ross Mackay, the lawyer, he he was charismatic. He was brilliant in court. He, he was a gambler he was he had a drinking problem he was oh. a fascinating guy and, well, Andre, uh, you can pass for 29 oh uh, <laughs> I'm 37. his daughter <laughs> his daughter uh, who i'm in touch with um she's a uh, uh a lawyer in brampton uh, a judge now in brampton oh wow really, really? yeah yeah wow and, that's very uh, she, gave, me, she yeah. gave me permission years ago to use her father's name so uh, yeah. Oh, that's wow. awesome. That's uh, that always adds uh, a nice level of uh, authenticity to uh, yeah. to the sort of yeah. projects when you have people related to the original story that are uh, mm -hmm. willing to you know the, the see your vision and, and understand it and go with it. So that's yeah, that's super cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, Devin, uh, you got anything left for uh, Mr. Burton? Well, there's one question I always ask our guests, um, which is, and it's, you know, it's especially apropos for Mr. Center because he steals superpowers all the time. If you could have one superpower in real life, <laughs> what would it be? Um, uh, uh, in real life, not Mr. Sinister. Yeah. In no, yeah, life. you. In real life, you could have one superpower. Yeah. Um, besides being smarter. <laughs> um, well, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. Super smarts. <laughs> uh, uh, to to be able to uh, help others much more. Uh, to you know discover the cure of cancer. Uh, you know, something mm. that would benefit people. Uh, I think that would be, you know, uh, 
Yeah, but that also requires in in you know being smarter. Um, <laughs> intelligence can do all that. I think that's the nicest answer we've gotten yeah. so far in this show. That's yeah. so yeah, I like it. Yeah. Um, and of course, I have to ask Andre's favorite question. What's your favorite movie? Uh, that is my favorite question. Um, you know, I God, there are so many favorite movies. Yeah, if you're a movie fan, it's <laughs> tough. Like, like, if you're a cinephile like I am, it's tough to narrow that down sometimes. But yeah, sometimes um, you just have to make a decision and stick with it. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I I, I really uh, uh, don't know. Um, I, I guess the movies I've seen again, you know, of course, everyone would always say, you know, one movie, The Godfather, of course, mm -hmm. or um, uh, you default to that one often. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but there, you know, there are a couple of David Lynch films uh, that oh, yeah. I'm quite Speaking fond of. Language. Um, you know, Mulholland Drive, or you know, uh, a friend of mine, you know, is 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 watching. She said she was looking through David Lynch films, and I said, "Well, you have to watch Eraserhead." Yeah. And she hadn't heard of it, and I said, "Oh, oh no, wow, really? <laughs> you have to start with Eraserhead." <laughs> oh, yeah. The first one, right? I think yeah. a lot of people sleep on uh, the Elephant Man. That's a beautiful movie, and uh, that's true. Yeah, a lot of people forget. It. Yeah, a lot of people forget it was a Lynch movie because it, it's not. Yeah, you know, it's right. not it's not weird in dream with dream that's right. and all that sort of stuff. It's a very linear story. But John yeah. Hurt is so with all that stuff on his face, like to do yeah. the performance he does and make you feel like his his humanity and how sad he is. That one is a deeply deeply missed one i think when people look at his catalog but i love like maholland drive is if you're an yeah. actor it's like the actor yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you yeah, yeah, our place our place is below maholland drive and oh perfect uh, <laughs> notting hill uh is oh. also you know in oh. terms of romances you know mm -hmm. uh, love story notting hill uh mm. those two wonderful actors uh that's another favorite uh that's a good choice yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people bring up romantic comedies. It's one of those ones that uh, I feel like it's a genre that gets dismissed. Uh, What's that? Of romantic comedies. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. There's there's some wonderful ones. They make you feel terrific. You know. And I think as a movie fan, especially for me, I uh, you, you get kind of, um, you know, you you romantic romanticize the ones that are like really dark or really like human or clawed like humanity. But I always think of that movie. Do you ever see Sullivan's travels? The old, it's an old movie from, um, um, Oh, it wasn't Sturgis. Was it? I, I it could be. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, yeah. Uh, the whole point of the movie basically is like yeah. this writer that, that makes her a director. Yeah. Preston Sturgis directed it. And, um, yeah, he, uh, he like makes these, delightful family movies and and he's very popular for doing that but then he really wants to like get to the the heart of darkness of humanity and he like becomes like a bum and just like travels around uh america living the bum's lifestyle trying to get like all the 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 you know the the insight to write this darkly human tragic drama thing and there's a whole other set of circumstances where his family can't find him and the, the things he put in place to make sure someone could find him and he can get his whole life back don't really work. And he might be stuck being a bum his whole life. But then he, he kind of, after seeing the worst of like people in the world realizes that there is some value to telling happy stories, giving people an outlet to, uh, to enjoy life and, and experience life that way. And it's well, actually a really heartwarming sort of yeah. uh, story yeah, that yeah. you should allow yourself to enjoy the, the bubblegum stuff because and there's, yeah, there's, there's a reason why people watch a wonderful life. Yeah, great movie. Every Christmas, you know. I mean, uh, there's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I always think of that movie when I think I get a little too into uh, into romanticizing like the darkest of stuff, which I generally tend to gravitate towards anyway. But it's sure. nice, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, hence the success of Ted Lasso. Oh yeah, series. great show. Um, and you know, my wife and I, you know, uh, we still watch reruns of uh, Cheers. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, Frasier. Yep. Um, you know, Coming back uh, soon. Because, uh, you know, we we watch also a lot of dark stuff because that's a lot of what's going on now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, uh, yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on, Chris. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, we uh, we look forward to. Uh, I know you can't say anything about the new series or anything, but uh, uh, you know, I I'm to tell you the truth, I have I know nothing. I oh. know nothing. Oh. <laughs> you know, I really, I really don't. Uh, you know, uh, you know, we've recorded the first season, and uh, you know, 
uh, I think the writer's strike is uh, put maybe have put things on hold. Um, season two. Well, yeah. then, is there? Did they announce three at oh. least so far that they're going to do? Just two, from Just what two. I know. Yep. Paul DeMaio, the writer, I think he said he 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 wrote three and wants three. Right. And, uh, you yeah. know, I think I think they would certainly, you know, uh, you know, when season one is released, uh, hopefully. I have a feeling it's going to blow the doors off. There's a lot of people that are very excited. Oh, if, history, so. if our podcast has anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. you know, at, at, at the Comic-Cons, they're always asking, you know, there's there's a lot of anticipation. Oh, yeah. um, so there is. Yeah. 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 We so, yeah. yeah. Well, we're, we're definitely. We're, we're uh, yeah. Definitely. Thanks for joining us. Um, Thank you. Well, Gwyneth, I, Gwyneth, I said glory to her house. And uh, yes. if you want to put in a good word for me, uh, yes. that would be wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank All you. Chris. Right. Okay. All right, bye bye. Thanks, Chris. Bye. All right. Well, that was a fun interview. Oh, that was awesome. All right, so we get out of here and uh, meet back here in an hour with Adam Gorham. Sounds good. All right, let's get out of here. I'm going to play us out. One, two, three. <laughs>